Mr. President, you are right again that the citizens have the right to feel frustrated and angry. Three weeks and you kind of get used to, oh, it'll be here. Oh, it's gone. Oh, it'll... So that, that continues. It is when he utters comments where you, th- you live thinking, did the minister forget to think before speaking? Hello, welcome to Politricking with CD Madia, a politics podcast brought to you by Eyewitness News. My name is CD Madia. This is season one, episode two. So I'm coming to you still in the middle of an electricity crisis, right? So we're still stuck where we've been for the past few weeks. I woke up to power outages. When I left, the power came back on. But when I got to the office, there was no power. I could see that because the lights were off outside. The traffic lights were not working. And that's kind of what we're now accustomed to, hey? Three weeks in, you kind of get used to, oh, it'll be here. Oh, it's gone. Oh, So that, that continues. And I don't know if you saw the president's letter on Monday, right? So he speaks about the electricity crisis. And I kept thinking to myself, yes, Mr. President, you are absolutely correct to say this has caused extreme hardships and disruptions to the economy. Mr. President, you are right again that the citizens have the right to feel frustrated and angry. It is lovely to give us ideas about what needs to be done and to recognize that we feel the situation is worsened, but that there are plans. But my problem with that is you've been saying this to us for many years. In the president's letter, he refers back to commitments he made in 2018. We're still looking for... Um, what to do with land around power stations. We're still having a massive conversation around renewables. In some essence, we move forward and then we take 10 steps back. My issue with all of this has always been down to one thing, political will. We can go back and forth about renewables versus coal. We can go back and forth about how many megawatts need to be shared at this hour or that hour. What do we need to do as far as capacity is concerned? But I'll always go back to where's the political will. And what scares me about this entire conversation is, of course, what we've been seeing. Because with the power outages comes the opportunists, if you may, with every situation that rises. There will be people who are opportunistic. So what we end up now having is the kind of crime we are reporting and getting reports of as journalists. So you'll hear about what happens to women and children. And not late in the dark, no. Just as soon as the sun dips, it is a scary place. It's scary by day in South Africa, mind you. When you can't easily call emergency services, when their cell phone signals aren't working because there's no power, Do you understand how difficult our lives are? We roll from one tragedy to the other, to the other. As I speak to you now, there's what's happened in our taverns. I do need to speak about Becky Tlele very, very quickly. So, cowboy Becky Tlele, cowboy is going to roll into Soweto because he must show himself. (laughs) He has to be at the scene. He cannot allow operations to to do what they need to do. Bekitela then goes to speak to community members because he can't help it. He's a politician with a view. It must get out. It is when he utters comments where you th- you left thinking, did the minister forget to think before speaking? That comment about tattoos and thugs. And yes, this is coming from somebody with at least three visible tattoos, at least. And then when you hear that that equates to my credibility or position in society, you think, how ridiculous. 
and this is from a leader in society, a minister in charge of police, then what of our actual policemen and women? What then of their understanding of their responsibilities when you have a simple-minded person who comes with incredibly pedestrian arguments about what's happening in our communities? That's the guy that's been put in charge of our safety. That man who speaks like that. I hope to have a conversation with Becky Taylor one day. We hope we have a day where we can talk about it. So ultimately, our police minister is accusing tattoo artists across this country of creating gangsters. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Hmm? You artists, body art for what? You're creating thugs. I'm moving right along. So this week, the ANC Women's League task team, a newly formed structure to help the Women's League resuscitate itself, held its first meeting. Of course, Balagambete, former leader of the Women's League, a former senior leader of the NC, former national chairperson, that is, Balagambete has been tasked with leading this cohort and helping to bring back to life the ANC Women's League and all its structures. She held a media briefing with her task team members this week. We joined her at Lutuli House for a short conversation about the Women's League and about the ANC. And do you remember she tried to contest for president of the ANC in 2017? Mm, we touched on that too. Take a listen. Um... The one question I want to start with is what I was listening to you say in the media briefing following the first meeting of the national task team of the Women's League. And I wasn't clear on the answer that you gave us as journalists. Why did you agree? Why did you decide with the time that you have now to yourself and to work on maybe your own personal projects, why decide the NC Women's League needs help let me hit the call of the ANC and come in and assist. I hit the call because the ANC approached me. Uh, you hit the call not because you want the task or that you have nothing else you are doing. You have no personal priorities. But in fact, I am part of the African National Congress precisely because back when I joined it, it had never been a question of whether it was preferable for me to have stayed uh, in my personal life, attended to personal issues, attended to bringing up my children, spending a lot of time with my children. And I think these are the things that go into deeper questions about what informs our role in the struggle, what informed our role in the organization, and then you give your life to the organization. And your life is directed not by yourself and personal preferences or what would be nicer to do or uh, easier or preferable at a particular moment, but you consider what the organization tells you at this given time. We believe you should play a particular role and you play that role because you handed your life over to the organization decades before. Mm. You were part of a top six leadership previously 
Um, when you're looking at a picture of Mamuini here in the office where we are talking, you know, you looked at it fondly. To me, I always think back to the last conversation I had with the late Icon. And I was with Mom Sophie and we asked about the regression, whether or not she felt the ANC had regressed. You went from being part of a top six with two women at the top of the ANC to just one who's now unfortunately taken ill. And what you have are three men, well, four men rather, four men who are now in charge. And very often what you hear people saying is, you worry that decisions are now being made with egos in mind, where they try and nurse their brotherhood and work around each other. What are your thoughts about the regression question and that current, the current crop of leadership of the ANC? I think uh, Mamuini in her last days had particular preoccupations and uh, as a parent, as a person who had grown up and led in particular moments of the history of the struggle, uh, you know, cannot be blamed for having felt the way she felt about things which she had lived through and seen through uh, in the role that she had played in the struggle. So when in her last days, when she had more time on her hands and she was watching and reflecting and, and going mm, through mm. how, what in fact is natural to feel when you are a person in, a, in your older years and therefore having had the, 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 the benefit of hindsight, you do go through those moments. But I don't think it's necessarily uh, sentenced the ANC that the ANC, therefore, uh, from, from her pronouncements. Of course, she would pronounce based on particular issues that had uh, grabbed her attention and concerns that she had and that she was reflecting upon. Uh, in those moments when she was uh, talked to mm. about how she saw the ANC. But I don't think it simply then bundled the ANC into the dustbin of history because it can't be that simple. And your question about the regression in as far as women's involvement at all mm. levels of leadership in the ANC, it's a, it's a matter of great... Uh, concern to us as women that have passed through the experience of being part of the movement and in particular having been tasked to play a role in this particular sector of society that we would at a certain point have two women and the next thing you have one. I don't think it's something that the ANC should get away with and I'm talking about the ANC collectively ourselves included as women, because it's also a question of how we ourselves strategize, it's how we as mm, women mm. plan together, it's how we as women uh, are sensitize one another in the process of strategizing In so that we can actually be very alert to some potholes and things that have happened and we have had lessons uh, in, 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 in over the decades on things not to do or things that in fact we've got to 
fine tune our 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 role and understanding and our way of doing things when it comes to those matters in fact sorry for almost cutting in fact that's kind of what she also said she said they got the leadership they deserved and it spoke to what the women's league did in the lead up to the conferences do you think there'll ever be a time where the anc women's league goes back to its former glory but also where it owns its politics very much what we feel as observers of the anc is that the women here lend their politics to the men's agenda, that they rally around particular male politics and their agenda and use their might. Because the Women's League was mighty. Even in 2017, it had large numbers, but you got the feeling that it was doing the bidding of their male counterparts. Will it ever own its politics, the women in the ANC? One of the reasons why I think it's off-putting for women is watching women lend their power to their male counterparts. I think that uh, I will not comment on recent issues uh, because let's leave it to history to look back and record what went on and how people understood what was going on and how in the women's sector specifically women's movement space we analyze and uh, uh, interpret and understand what was going on from corner to corner within society, from place to place at, a, at different moments. Uh, but I've got to say this. I don't think it should be uh, said that because that happened at a particular time, it's all lost. I think the very opportunity to have a moment when we are able to re-gather in a particular format as the national task team, which has formed a national working uh, uh, task team, we were given an opportunity to actually decide that, yes, as I've been talking to different women, I as convener and a person who's at least uh, um, been around for a few, <laughs> a few decades, I've been tapping into individual leaders' wisdom through hindsight, even of personal individual roles that they would have played in particular moments when things were happening within the context of the ANC. And yes, the issue of uh, how, unfortunately, you do find this tendency of men generally as we understand it from the society that they are groomed in, they are programmed a particular way, seeing women as things to, to use, seeing women as objects to arrive at certain points based on their own personal agendas. That's a, 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 a summary of the experience of women that I listened to only last week from one of the leaders that were leading the ANC-NEC that was disbanded a few weeks ago. Having said that, seeing that this is something that's at play even now, as it is outside in society, it's currently at play in the ANC in the lead up to December, is there a way to arrest us? That's not a, a, a question that can be easily answered by any one person because as we work as collectives in the ANC, the collective of the branch on the ground of the ANC itself, 
collective of the ANC Women's League branch, you tackle those issues as those collectives steeped in the reality of that experience you, you continue to, to come across of being generally looked at as numbers as opposed to being a strategic participant in a very serious process of transforming our society. I want to try and start winding it down a little bit. Um, do you regret folding in 2017? Yes, we can make arguments that we felt your campaign was a non-starter for president. Mm -hmm. Do you regret folding? Do you look at the ANC presidency now and think we definitely made a mistake? Because you folded and then you backed Cyril Ramaphosa, who's the current president. Do you think it was a mistake? No. I was never a person that took individually the decision that I was going into a campaign. Uh, I was approached by a group of young comrades and comrades whom I was with in what you call a campaign. Uh, and I must say that it was not a happy experience because to start with, <laughs> that's an experience that actually shows you that, oh, You've got to go through this in order to... You must take all our calls. You must go meet everybody. You must hear everyone out. Yes, I think it's a lot. It looks like a lot. No, it's a lot for it, us covering even. It, I, I think the very context within which a person has to make their way through hurdles, potholes and whatever <laughs> into leadership is not what I thought should be the case. Because I think you should be a leader in the ANC culture from within a collective voice that believes you have uh, what it takes in as far as the collective of the ANC family to lead. And lead, in fact, in the ANC, you don't lead based on your policies. It's not your individual policies. It's what has been fashioned through the work of the programs of the ANC in the way the ANC works. And you know that the ANC actually even opens itself up like it is doing right now, leading up to the policy conference, to say what are the views from society, from different sectors where we have particular portfolios that then uh, fashion the work that we are going to do for transformation in the governance uh, 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 machinery. So that campaign experience was an interesting, uh, frustrating, uh, bit of shocking uh, also. <laughs> but I don't regret uh, being what? My eyes Putting your hand up, opened. availing yourself, or your eyes being open to what it is. Yeah. And then you don't regret then backing Cyril Ramaphosa? Look, remember at that point there were seven candidates. There were many, yes. So, out of those seven candidates, at a certain point, you had to reduce realistically. Yes. And this was not done by me as an individual, it was done by my team. You reduced it to two individuals. Yes. And therefore had to make balance that up and look at the basis on which you finalize your own position and your own perspectives 
and what informs your final position. And that's mm, what I mm. did. You don't regret it when I talk to you now in I 2022? I don't regret it at all. You know, you spoke about NC policy. Some people seem to think the NC president is actually quite foreign to the movement in his ways of thinking, in his ways of action, in, in many ways. <laughs> I'm looking at your facial expression. They even bring up things like the Palapala robbery as part and parcel of what they think is wrong with the president of the ANC. What is your personal take of him now in 2022 when it's expected that he might be re-elected in December? I think we should allow the process of the ANC-NEC to unfold. Uh, the ANC-NEC is yet to receive a report when uh, the necessary processes will have unfolded relating to our integrity commission. Beyond that, we would then be in a better position to discuss that matter based on a report. Because there are processes, legal instruments coming into play and all of that. Let's gather that information. Let's be patient. Let's look at it very rational. Let's not feel pressurized to, to judge. Let's do what needs to be done to be fair on all sides of the matter. Mm. Um, I asked about your thoughts regarding how some feel he's foreign to the movement in his ways of approaching leadership. What's your take? My take is that I am not going to comment on the ANC president <laughs> at a point when I'm about to get into policy conference and later on preparing for national conference. I am interested in having stability of the African National Congress and stability of the country led by the African National Congress, where I believe the best thing in our interest is to have stability in our souls, in our hearts, in everything we do. Let's not do it with a tone of we want to get rid of this one. I think let's keep the leadership we have only change that which is essential to be changed. That's my personal view. Is that an endorsement for Selon Ramaphosa for December? It's an endorsement for stability. Stability in the African National Congress, stability for the country. Okay, so I understand. if I understand correctly, stability for the NC is continuity, actually, as it stands for you with regards to the presidency. I want to very quickly wrap up and move on to Step Aside. You were part of the conference that adopted Step Aside. Do you feel it's being used the way that it should have been as per the vision that was discussed and adopted at the conference in 2017? I think that's a matter that has uh, become a very volatile space in terms of recent developments in actual implementation where it's not easy uh, 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 to take something which is a general guideline broadly and you bring it down to actual implementation uh, you then discover the challenges the difficulties of it in the actual implementation which of course is a detail you are never going to be able to address in a conference resolution so let's do that assessment when we get to the structures of the ANC. All right, I'm now actually done. Um, your parting shot, what are your wishes for your party? You've spoken about the need for healing. South Africans are fed up with the party. They feel that it's failing to deliver as per the promises of 1994. We can continue speaking about the National Democratic Revolution. People feel the ANC is no longer the vehicle to get us there. What is your final thoughts 
and wishes for this party as it stampedes its way, really. It's a circus, it's a fight towards December. I must say that this is a very, very challenging question that you are posing because it is precisely when you have been in the thick of struggle coming to a democratic South Africa, now on the basis of a constitutional, constitutional dispensation led uh, by the ANC, uh, implementing through our government uh, structures what was agreed. Uh, I'm happy that recently we've had a group of comrades coming out uh, from the trenches together with us all who have gone uh, on the side and had a reflection on certain specific areas of what has happened so far. So I think that what is a challenge is to realize that you don't do yourself justice by throwing away an instrument, a vehicle, a historic one like the ANC, because you are fed up with things that have happened and specific individual leaders have been implicated and this one was wrong. You don't do yourself justice by throwing, let's say, in a family, your mother away because she's this, she's that, she's the other. But you reflect deeply, you correct, you talk slowly, softly about things that need to be corrected. And you face them head on and you correct them. So I don't think the ANC... Uh, it's time for South Africa to throw it away. I don't agree. And it does not mean I don't agree on the wrongs that have been done. I don't think because anyone has done wrong, they therefore are good for a dustbin. Matambo, I was reminding the NTT comrades yesterday, used to say to us, there is no dustbin with any of our people. And I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you so much, Mebale Gambete. That was our conversation with convener of the ANC Women's League Task Team, Bale Gambete, who was speaking to us from Lutuli House. And that's it from us. We'll be back again next week. Thanks to our team, Duruzile Masuku and Amu Ramela. For Eyewitness News, my name is Tsiri Madia.